Thank you for joining us again this week. You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and today I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike's been with us three other times this, this quarter. Mike, thank you for being with us again today. Glad to be here. Now, we're looking at session 11. Uh, we're going to be looking at Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Uh, the main point here is that believers are to reflect Christ-like character in their daily lives. There's three main points of these verses. Uh, a new life, verses uh, 1 through 4. Put off, which is verses 5 through 11. And put on, verses 12 through 17. So really simple. A new life, put off and put on. Those are the things that Paul is going to be talking about here in this section. That first section, uh, verses 1 through 4, a new life. In those verses, Paul directed believers to set their minds on Christ since they are raised with him. He reminded them that their lives were safe and secure in Christ, who provides them life now and in the future. For us, what that means is that we as believers are to focus on Christ and the life he provides us. The second section, put off, verses 5 through 11. As a result of our salvation, Paul called for believers to cease practicing sinful actions that they once carried out. He used the image of old clothes being taken off and new clothes being put on to emphasize the new life of the believer. Remember, he talked about a new life in verses one through four. The putting on of a new life is true for all believers, regardless of their ethnicity or cultural background. The main point here is that because of our salvation, believers are to stop living a life characterized by sin. The last section is put on. If you're gonna put something off, you need to put something on and that's in verses 12 through 17. He's contrasting what he had said in verses 5 through 11. And Paul identifies attitudes that were to be demonstrated by the believer. These attitudes would develop to a greater degree as they dwelled on the word of Christ, which would be seen in what they said and their taking actions that brought honor to Jesus. For us as believers, we are changed as we dwell on and yield to the truths of the Bible. One of the things I would point to here with this idea of putting off and putting on is an article that's in QuickSource. It's in the Dig Deeper for QuickSource. It's on page 54 for this, this quarter. And it looks at this idea of putting off and putting on. It notes that these are two commands. That first command to put to death what belongs to our earthly nature, verse 5. And then verse 12, to put on the things that define our new nature. So we have this idea of these actions that are listed that we're to put off. They define what we used to be, what our old nature is. And then the article explains that the things we put on define our new nature with love being the centerpiece of that new nature. And that's noted in verse 14, that, uh, that, that, that idea of this love is characterized in everything that's included in what we are to put on. But I found that article short, uh, but very helpful for me to think about the putting off and putting on here. Um, there's a lot of directives in this passage, Mike, a lot of directives. 
How do these compare to the Ten Commandments? That's uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Interesting, um, interesting way to look at this. Uh, I, I think the main point of comparison for me is that the practical section of of Colossians. You know, there is Paul. You know, like the first half is more theological, <clears throat> doctrinal, and the second half is practical, more practical. And chapter three starts that practical section, but the practical section is built on the theology, the theological section. So it, it really it starts with what God has done. So in verse one of chapter three, you start with that word, you know, so, or therefore, you know, since you have been raised with Christ, all right, well, that, that's the theological part of it. Here's, here's how we're to live. On the, so on the basis of what God has done, here's what we're to do now. Same thing in the Ten Commandments. We can look at that in, in uh, Exodus 20, verse 2. Before God gives the, the Ten Commandments, he says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. So the commandments are based on, on you know, what God has done. So, that, so that's, that's, to me, that's the, the main point of comparison. I think also, you know, I think there's more. I think it deals with some of the same areas. Uh, uh, Colossians, you know, Paul talks about lust and greed. The Ten Commandments, do not cover your neighbor's house or his wife. Um, Paul talked about idolatry. The Ten Commandments, do not make an idol. Paul talked about or said, do not lie to one another. The Ten Commandments, don't bear false testimony. So I, I think, you know, some of the same things are, are covered. I think there's both the outward acts um, like lying or bearing false testimony, and, and the inward inclinations of the heart, uh, like lust or coveting. So really, both in both places, you know, it's, it's about who we are on the inside as much as as our outward actions. Yeah, the the article in QuickSource makes that distinction that you just made as well. That there is a that that some of the things that are listed here are things that are external things, things you can see. Yeah. And then, uh, then some of them are internal things, things you can't see, but they're seen in your actions. Yeah, right. Um, so I think that's important for us to keep in mind when we're looking at this. Uh, this putting off and putting on, that's something we are told to do, we as believers, which brings up the question, what is our role in our spiritual development? I think what we're talking about here really is the theological term sanctification is really what we're what we're talking about um and it's not necessarily a word that i say you need to to use you know if you're teaching this um, but if you use it make sure you you know explain what what that means or what sanctification means and one of the the best definitions i've seen or come across is from wayne gruden grudem who said that it's a progressive work of god and man that makes us more free from sin and more like Christ in our actual lives. And there's two, two parts of that I think are important. One is that it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing process and it starts at conversion and it goes all through our, continues throughout our lives. But also it, he pointed out how it's, it's a work of God and us. So, you know, first of all, it's first and foremost, it's a work of God, you know, making us more like Christ. Uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we are all being transformed into 
that image of Christ. We are being transformed by, and this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So it's the Spirit of God who works in us to make us more like Jesus. So that's a work of God through the Spirit. But we have a part in that. We have a part in that process of putting off, you know, putting, put, taking off, um, putting on. And when you, when, you, when you think about, you know, the imagery that Paul is using here, this, this new clothing that we are to put on, it's, it's not something that we manufacture. That clothing is not something that we have made or manufactured. God provides it. But we have to put it on. We saw similar um, ideas in Philippians, uh, you know, talking about what's God's part in our Mm-hmm. Our growth and what's our part like yep. in Philippians 3 2 uh Paul said I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ you know I press on to take hold of spiritual maturity I I'm I'm pressing to take hold of that because he's taken hold of me you see both both aspects there this is what God does he takes hold of us but our part is to make every effort to Take hold of maturity, press on toward that. Or Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who is working in you. You know, God is working in you. That's, that's what he does. He works in you, but you also are to work out. He works in, you work out as he works in you. I think there's some similarities between what Paul, this passage in, in um, Colossians 3 with what Paul is saying and what's said over in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, I think you see some real similarities there. Um, <clears throat> in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, that's something that God produces in us. Fruit, that's something that God produces. But here in Colossians 3, the focus is, is more on what we need to do for that fruit to grow. So we, we don't grow the fruit ourselves, but we can create the right conditions for that fruit to grow. And the conditions here in Colossians 3, for, for example, just looking at you know, a couple of verses down in verses 16 and 17, there's, there's some conditions right there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. And, and then talking about teaching, admonishing one another. So it's through Bible teaching, community, accountability, worship, all of this provides the right conditions for us to grow in our faith. It's a way for us to weed out the stuff that gets in the way for that growth. Yeah. You've mentioned Galatians 5 there. Uh, the Bible skill for this week uh, directs us to compare Colossians 3, 1 through 17, with Galatians 5, 16 through 26, which you just mentioned, but also with Ephesians 5, 1 through 10, and 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 12. In all of those passages, in those four passages, we find a list of vices and a list of virtues that are listed. And the good thing about that, they're all written by Paul. So that helps us compare uh, something from the, by the same author, uh, same writer uh, to do that. So we would list those uh, the vices and list the virtues and think about how those are seen today, um, how those virtues are desired today, uh, how we want our Christian friends to have those virtues. Now we could do that Bible skill um, throughout the class where we looked at sections of Colossians 3, 1 through 17 and then found sections in those other three 
passages that were related or similar. Uh, we could do it at the end of the class as a group where that's a good way to summarize everything and just compare to give a little more depth to what we're doing. Or we could assign it to an apprentice uh, and that apprentice uh, be given the opportunity to do that Bible skill prior to the group time and then them present a report uh, as a way to share that information and encourage folks to look at it for themselves uh, after the group time is over with that being a starting place, or they may have looked at it beforehand and it'd be a way for them to uh, confirm what they had already discovered. But there's multiple ways of using that Bible skill uh, in this session, knowing that these other passages, Galatians 5, the Ephesians 5, and the 1 Timothy 6 passage, they all give us a little bit different view of the putting on and the putting off um, and that, may, that will add depth to this particular lesson. Mike, in verse 12, Paul uses the term God's chosen ones. Now, what kind of fox hunts might that take us down if we're not careful? That, that some are chosen and some are not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're thinking? That, oh, and, yeah. I, I see this. This could be a mess. It could be a mess. And we know that there are going to be differences of opinion here. And not just differences of opinion, but strong, strong opinions. Mm -hmm. And it would be really easy to chase that fox down a path that's going to lead us really away from this, um, from the passage, from this lesson that we're trying to teach. Uh, <clears throat> I think that to say that God chose us doesn't force us to say that he chose not to choose others, if that makes sense. The fact that he chose us doesn't mean necessarily that he chose not to choose others. I, I think whenever you look at something, or when you look at this particular question you've got to be balanced here and say you say you know there's just parts of God's sovereignty that it, it, we don't understand you've got to balance his sovereignty with our responsibility um, God's sovereignty means that he he has a plan for for uh, humankind and he's going to bring his plan to fulfillment and that plan includes the salvation of the lost. It means that he took the initiative in our salvation. And apart from his loving choice to do that, we could not be saved. So let's not be prideful uh, in this. We are saved because God made a choice to save us, period. But there's also that human responsibility element that we are responsible for our choices. And there's no salvation apart from personal faith in Christ. Um, <clears throat> you know, scripture, you know, again, scripture. Um, if you want to look at other passages, you know, 2 Peter 3, 9, uh, that God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance, or John 3, 16, you know, everyone who believes in him. Uh, so instead of, instead of arguing about things that we can't fully understand about God's sovereignty, let's instead do what he very clearly has told us to do. And what he's very clearly told us is to go into the world and preach the gospel to every person. He's, he's very clear about that. Preach the gospel. Go into all nations, to all peoples, and preach the gospel. So I think instead of, you know, arguing and debating over the things that we can't really fully understand, let's, let's, do, let's do the things that we're pretty clear. You know, God is pretty clear on things that we need to be doing, you know. Uh, the last thing here I have is this idea of verse 16, the word dwell in us. What are some practical ways we can do that? Yeah, the word, 
let the word of Christ, the, for us, that means scripture. I mean, that means the Bible for us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. <clears throat> you wonder, is, is, is Paul addressing individuals in the church or is he addressing the church corporately? And then that's the question, you know, that we don't, we don't know. It doesn't have to be either or necessarily. It can be, it's both and. You can understand it both ways. And, and a reason to understand it is applying corporately to the church that he's, he's writing to the church as a whole in, in, in this is what, what he says right after that, which I, I referenced this a minute ago. Right after that, he says, in teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and singing to God with gratitude. Uh, Those are all group activities, right? There. I mean, that's something you do as a, corporately as a, as a church. So Paul, I think he did have in mind the church and not just the individuals in the church. His concern was with a, a word-centered church. I think that's his concern here. You know, you, you can have a healthy church without a lot of things. You can have a healthy church without a great worship band to lead you in worship. You can have a, a healthy church without superstar personalities, but you cannot have a healthy church without making the word priority. The word has to be central to what happens in the church, not, not an appendix to what happens on Sunday or when we meet, but it needs to be central to what happens when we meet. And you know, when we say, when we say, well, you know, if you're, if you're a group leader, teacher, you know, listening to this, um, you know, when, when you say what the Bible says, you can speak with authority. You can speak with God's authority. But when we go beyond what the Bible says, it might be good advice, but when we go beyond what the Bible says, we're speaking in our own authority. So I think of myself as, as a teacher, as a group leader, I really don't have anything to say apart from what God has said in his word. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I have opinions, of course, but I don't have anything to say that's gonna change people's lives um, for eternity apart from what God has said or spoken in his word. God does his work through his word. And I think Paul's concern really here is a word-focused congregation, like the one in Acts too, you know, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Um, <clears throat> that tells us two things. They were hungry to be taught and the leaders taught. You know, and we have a pretty good idea of what they taught because when you read Paul's sermon, uh, yeah, P Peter's sermon at Pentecost and other sermons and uh, um, extended passages of teaching in Acts, they're, they're expositing, expositing scripture. I mean, it's it's there's scripture. That's what they're teaching. What do you so think about do Philip Philip's conversation with the 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 uh, Ethiopian government official? Yeah, about Isaiah fifty three. It says he pointed to Christ throughout the scriptures. Right. Um, Obviously, so, Old Testament. Yeah. So scripture, Bible was at the center, not the periphery of, of early church life. So, so I think in one sense, we have to say Paul's talking to the church here. But I think we, as individual believers, we have to apply this to our own lives as well. And he uses the word, that word dwell. Let the word dwell in you. To dwell means to fill at home. Let, let the word find a home in you. Not, not not just show up for a brief visit occasionally like that distant relative, you know, but to find a home in you. Like Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrased it, let the word of Christ have the run of the house, you know, in you. And the practical way that we do this is we spend time with it. We get acquainted. We get acquainted with the word. We become familiar with it. We study it. We meditate it. On it so that it doesn't feel like an intruder but it's just it's just a 
it's just it has a, its home in our hearts. really don't have an excuse in our world today for not spending time in scripture because we have so many copies available to us so many different kinds of translations available to us we can get it we can get it in print we can get it on our computer we can get it on our phones we can get it so many different ways uh, we can listen to it we can have it read to us even um, so there's not really a an excuse in our culture for us not to have time set aside somehow either listening to it reading it whatever that however that is either in print or on our phones or whatever there's just not an excuse for us not doing that individually they're just not one of the practical things I would see here is, is having a reading plan. I think that's why it's so important for us to have that reading plan in the front of the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide where folks can read every verse that's in the books that we're studying. Uh, and it has a, each day you read through that. I know there are also reading plans that are available where you read the Bible in a year, uh, six months, this year, I've done the Bible reading by reading it in six months, making notes, and then spending the other six months going back and working through those notes. That's been a rich, rich time for me this year, finding new themes, seeing passages in a different way. Uh, so that's been very helpful for me. But there are other ways it can be done, too, uh, where we're participating in group studies, those type of things. Uh, just as you said, this dwelling is done by a group of people, and we can't discredit the value of us meeting together in groups to do Bible study, how that sharpens each other, how we hold each other accountable, how we encourage each other. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of research done about that post-COVID, about the value of being in Bible study groups with people live face-to-face -face and how important that is for a person's spiritual development. And it just reminds us so much that what, was true 2,000 years ago is true today, that God's word needs to be central in our lives if we're going to live a life that reflects godly character. Mike, any other words or thoughts that you would share before we? You know, just following up on that, we, we, um, we make time for what's important to us. Mm. You know, we make, we make time for that, which is Truly important. And I know most people like myself, we're pretty busy, but you know, we will make time to do those things that we believe are important. And Bible study has to be one of those things. That's a, that's a solid word for us to end with. From time to time on the podcast, we mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family. We may mention the Leader Pack, Adult Commentary. Today, we mentioned Quick Source. That's just to name a few. Uh, you can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at GoExploreTheBible.com. That's GoExploreTheBible.com. Thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope you'll join us next week. We'll be looking at session 12. Tim Pollard will be joining me. We'll be looking at Colossians 3, 18 through chapter 4, verse 6. And the main idea there that we'll be thinking about is relationships and how we as believers should relate differently as a result of the gospel.